Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Wes, we're trying to figure out the best pizza or it's free guarantee. Can you help us out? Well, Billy, if a customer don't think our pizza is the best in Fort Smith, I'll give it to them. But what if everyone says it ain't so? Then God bless us. We're in the wrong business. No offense, but do you got a screw loose up there? My daddy taught me if I'm offended, it's probably true. Do we need to call a doctor? (laughs) No, Billy. I'm fine. Great pizza comes from great ingredients made by great people. We have all those things. Great's a big word. I don't think I'm great. That's not how I see it. I'm great? Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Wes? Yes, son? I don't like your pizza. Can I have a free one? (laughs) Let me tell you what. If you're that hungry, I'll give you one. Jim's Razorback Pizza. If it's not the best, we'll give it to you. Eat Jim's RazorbackPizza.com. Welcome back to another Empire Builders podcast. Dave Young here with Steve Semple. Something about cookies? It's not Cookie Monster. That's not a product. Not Cookie Monster. Not Cookie Monster. (laughs) I'm trying to think of famous cookies. There's lots of them. Um, Who are we talking about today, Stephen? We are going to be talking about Mrs. Fields cookies. Now, have you ever had the opportunity to have a Mrs. Fields cookie? You know, I'm not really sure. Are they mass produced? I mean, can you buy them in stores? Well, you mainly get them in these little cookie shops that are in malls and they come out warm and soft and and chewy. Yeah. So it's like going to Cinnabon or something like that. Yes, exactly right. I probably have. I just, I tend to try to stay away from those places. Like I'll I'll give a wide berth to a Cinnabon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a really interesting story because it was started in August 16th, 1977 in Palo Alto, California by Debbie Fields. And today they've got 250 stores worldwide. And in 1992, 15 years after opening, it was sold to the investment firm Famous Brands International for a hundred million bucks. Wow! You know, in the 1992 dollars. So she did really, really well. When you think about basically in a 15-year period of time, she grew this business from start to being a business that she sold for a hundred million dollars. Nice little payday for Mrs. Fields. Nice little payday for Mrs. Fields. So Mrs. Debbie Fields, she grew up in Oakland. She had this very humble beginning. Her dad was this blue-collar worker, and her mom was a homemaker. And at the age of 19, she, you know, what we would say today, she married up. She married Randy. And Randy was a financial analyst who worked in Palo Alto and was rubbing shoulders with the elite of Palo Alto. And what she would do is she would put out these soft chocolate chip cookies for people when they had them over for entertaining. And they all liked them. They all really liked them. But many looked down on her. Because she was like this hick from Oakland, right? And after one party, she gets really snubbed by one of the Palo Alto snobs. And she decides, you know what? I'm going to open a store. I'm going to do this. I'm going to open a store. And she opened a store in a mall. Now, I want you to think about this. Mm. A cookie store, first of all, is a crazy idea. She wasn't the first to do a cookie store, but close to the first to do a cookie store. And 
food locations were not in malls at the time. The world's first cookie store had only opened two years earlier, and food courts were not in malls. The first successful food court happened in 1976, way over in New Jersey. Okay. And this was after a number of failed attempts at food courts. So food courts had been opened and had failed. So this was a really innovative idea of opening a food shop in a mall. But what yeah. she saw was lots of foot traffic. So she was way ahead of this whole food court boom. So she opens this crazy idea of a cookie store and this further crazy idea of in a mall. But this is also what makes her so special. But here's also something that's really hard to believe in the world today. In many ways, Dave, women's rights have got a long way to go. But in many ways, they've also come so far. In 1970... A woman cannot get a loan without her husband. She couldn't get a mortgage. She couldn't get a car loan. She couldn't get a credit card yeah. on her own. Think about this. So in 1970, when she opened, her husband had to sign the lease agreement and any loans and things along that lines. It wasn't until 1974 in Canada could a woman get a credit card in her own name. It just seems crazy today, doesn't it? Yeah, in 1988, less than 40 years ago, the U.S. Congress passed the Women's Business Ownership Act that legally allowed women to get business loans in 1988. That's not that long ago. I was graduating from university when that happened. So yeah. in 1970, when Debbie started her business, only 7% of businesses were owned by women. Today, 42%. Think about how much that has done for our economy terms of allowing women rightfully to be able to take out business loans and start businesses. Half the businesses today exist because of that. But it's crazy when you, we think, yes, we have a long ways to go with women's rights, but look at how far we've come. It's almost hard to believe that in 1970 and in 1988, our lifetimes, these sorts of things happened. So she was a true pioneer in more ways than one. I mean, oh, yeah. to pioneer a food product in a mall that didn't have food products generally. So she opens her first store and her husband gets the loan at 21%. Remember those days, Dave? Remember the 70s, <laughs> the interest rates in the 70s? 21%. Crazy. That was not like from a loan shark. That was like from a bank. You used to be able to put money in a bank and watch it grow too. Exactly. So she offers these warm chewy, soft cookies. That's what she's offering. It's something that comes right out of the oven. You get it, it's still warm. So something completely different. The smell of freshly baked cookies wafting out of a storefront is better than any sign you could ever put up in a mall. Yeah, because the cookies at that time were these hard, crispy little things that you got at the grocery store. So this was the other innovation. It's this idea of offering the soft, warm cookie in a mall in this cookie store, right? So something completely different. So she opens the first day and by noon, not one customer. And here's the problem. Mm. She sells them warm, so they're perishable. So she's got to throw them yeah. out. Here's the other challenge. She's selling them at 25 cents a cookie. The market was nine cents. So she's selling them at three times, three times the price of comparable of other cookies. Very premium priced product. So what she yeah. decides is instead of throwing them out, She's going to take a tray and pound the pavement, mm -hmm. give out samples. And she was really yeah. one of the first to do this in the food industry. Give away your product. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen others since do this. Like Godiva hit and we didn't know how great Godiva chocolates were. They would be in a mall and they would have mm -hmm. a person standing outside the shop handing out bits of chocolate. Where do you think they got that idea from? 
Mrs. Field. Right. So she's done so many groundbreaking things. We go into a mall today and you see Orange Julius and Baskin Robbins and Cinnabons and all these food items sitting in these little shops in the mall. She's the one who did it first. So she's a real pioneer and it worked amazing. At the end of the first year, she does $200,000 in sales, which would be basically equivalent of a million bucks today out of this one shop in this mall. So she decides to open a second location, Pier 39 in San Francisco. And then in 1979, a third location in Mountain View, California, which means she needs to delegate. She can't bake for all of these stores. And she wants to ensure the quality is high, but she wants to protect the recipe mm. because she spent a lifetime developing this recipe, but she can't bake for all the stores. So how do you make it consistent without sharing the recipe? Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Two words, lead flow. If you want to grow your business, lead flow is, well, not everything, but it sure can feel that way. You feel the need, the need for leads. And then there's the gnawing questions that plague you whenever you try to boost lead flow. Are you targeting the right customer? Are you saying the right things? Are you advertising in the right places? Are you spending too much or too little? And the ever-present, how can I best use social media? What if you could get those questions answered definitively in 90 minutes? You'd no longer feel the need for leads because now you'd know how to get them. That's what Empire Builders is offering you right now for free and with a guarantee to boot. Go to empirebuildersprogram.com, book a 90-minute Zoom meeting with the Empire Building expert, and boom, questions answered, problems solved. We'll give you the real answers, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yes, our famous no pitching and no bitching guarantee. First, we won't pitch you at all, seriously. If you want to work with us beyond our meeting, you'll have to explicitly ask about moving forward. And the bitching part? If you're not satisfied with the answers, say the word. And I'll pay you cold hard cash for your wasted time, no hard feelings. Now that's a guarantee. Look, empire builders take action. If lead flow is an issue for you, take action on it. Book your Zoom meeting at empirebuildersprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. So how do you make it consistent without sharing the recipe? You package the ingredients in a central location? That's basically what she did. So you ship a mix to your franchisees or your stores? And all I have to do is pour it out, mix it up, put it in the oven, right? Like put it through the blender and put in whatever wet ingredients have to go in and then put mm -hmm. it in the oven. And if you think about it, this is a page from KFC. Because remember, for many, many years, Colonel Sanders himself blended the spices yeah. and sent the spices out. So she really took a page from KFC and created this pre-packaged ingredients, sent it to a store, and basically the manager would unbag it, put it in the mixer. This was a way to control quality. And this is the model that has been adapted by the food services industry today. She was one of the first to do that. So yet another innovation being done by Debbie Fields. You want the experience of your customer to do the same no matter which mall they're in. Yeah. You know what to expect when you buy a Mrs. Fields cookie. Yeah. Now she wanted to continue to grow, but she didn't want to franchise. She refused to hand over control. And there's if you want to learn more about the issues of handing over control to a franchisee and this decision-making, there's a great section in the book, Pour Your Heart Into It, which is done by the folks from Starbucks talking about that. Schultz 
talks all about that. So grab that book and read that. But she started to get spread thin. And in the mid 1980s, the soft gourmet cookie business, there's lots of other people doing it, is now a $150 million business. And the big guys are starting to take notice. In fact, P&G, Procter & Gamble, spends $30 million developing the Duncan Hines chocolate chip cookie. Mm. And Nabisco and Keebler come out with ones as well. So the whole soft cookie thing is starting to catch on. Yeah, yeah. And Mrs. Fields is now 14 stores, and she's really struggling to run them. She's really struggling to keep her hand on inventory, sales figures, and all those things. Now, her husband's a computer guy, and he suggests to her, now keep in mind, this is the early 80s. And he says, why don't we put a computer in every store? Okay. People didn't have computers in the early 80s, and there was definitely no computers in stores. This is a big deal. Randy quits his job joins the business, and puts a network system in all the stores. This has never been done in the food industry and allows them to check inventory and check sales. Not only is there a computer in every store, they are all networked. For early 80s, that is amazing. Yeah. Sales hit $87 million, and the system is so innovative, they sell the system to Burger King. Okay. That's a new product. Yeah. So now it's 1989. They're now selling $129 million 12 years after opening. So they're doing $129 million of cookies, you know, 25 cents at a time. And they do start franchising, but selectively. And what they do is they find well-known bakers. So if you were a well-known baker and you wanted to buy a Mrs. Fields cookie franchise, you could do that. What they would also do is leverage that person's name. Oh, okay. So yeah. like in your city, if you're a well-known baker in your city. Exactly right. Okay. So 1992, 15 years after opening, along comes Famous Brands, and Famous Brands buys them out for $100 million bucks. What a great payday. Yeah, but think about the innovation. One of the first yeah. cookie stores, the first to do warm cookies, one of the first to sell food out of a store in a mall, first to do sampling. Mm-hmm. Prepackaged ingredients, putting computers in and networking them. This is a massive amount of innovation that this homemaker, you know, who was looked down upon by these folks in Palo Alto, yeah. brought out while at the same time facing all those challenges that women faced in business at that time. Like, just think about how crazy all of this was. Like, it would be very easy to look her in the eye and go, This is like, you're gonna sell cookies out of a cookie store, you're gonna, you know, warm, they're gonna pair it. Like, Oh my God, there'd be a thousand reasons that you could give her to say, this ain't ever going to work. And she just yeah. drove forward and built this amazing, amazing empire. She believed and she had a vision of what it could be and made it happen. And it got so great, her husband left the job and joined her, put the computer system in, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's one of those things where sometimes we got to look at things like she was right when she looked at the mall and she said, there's foot traffic there. Yeah. She didn't look at them all and go, oh, there's no food places. She looked at them all and said, there's foot traffic there. Foot if there's traffic. foot traffic, people are going to want to buy stuff. And if my product is good. And then even when she opened, she recognized the problem was people didn't know her product was good. So if I sample some of the product, and this became actually one of the things she learned, the more they sampled, the more they sold. Where many food companies would go, don't give away your product for free. If you give away for free, they'll never buy it. She's like, no, if I give it away for free and it's awesome, they will come in and buy it. A key lesson here is that a food product, especially a snack food product, but a food product, we make decisions three or four times a day about what we're going to put in our mouths. Yes. Right. Yes. We've got to eat. We've got to fuel our machine, our body, 
right? So we're always deciding that. And I think because she was early into the mall, yes, there was traffic. Yes, there were people that were there to buy things, but they probably weren't there to buy food. Correct. But we're always thinking about a little, yeah, I could eat a snack. I could have a cookie. Sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'll take a cookie. And you eat it and you go, you know what? I may take some home for the kids. I may take some back to the office. I may just take some to eat in the car on the way home. Sampling a product that is a short product purchase cycle that's purchased often is a brilliant thing to do. Yeah, and to your point, Dave, it would be very easy to look her in the eye back in those days. So we got to go back to those days and say, you should go place your stuff in grocery stores or a farmer's market or something because people don't go to the mall to buy food. The argument would be, so thank you for this, Dave. The argument would (laughs) be, don't go in the mall. People don't go in the mall to buy food. Or what she recognized is, like you're saying, people think about putting food in their mouth three times a day or more. But the other part is it would be also easy to go, you're nuts because the price point. You're going to go into this mall with this thing and you're charging three times the price that but she's selling cookies, you know, one twosies at a time, right? Right, right. But this is what she understood. But also when you're selling that premium product, people have got to try it. I think one other thing. So you've got all the people walking around in the mall, but you know what else you have in the mall? All the mall employees, all the employees of every store in the mall. And yes. they go on a break, right? There may be a crappy break room in the back of their store, but they probably want to go out and walk around a little bit in the mall. And now you can buy a cookie, I bet she sold a lot of cookies to employees of every other store in the mall. That was her sure. first customer base. Who wouldn't want a nice, soft, warm chocolate chip cookie to have with their coffee? Yeah. The more I read about Mrs. Debbie Fields, the more I went, wow, what an incredible entrepreneur. What an amazing woman. Hats off to her because, boy, she broke a lot of ground and really did things in a different manner. And that's what built her empire so blown away with the more i learned about her she's a cookie monster she's a cookie monster that's it (laughs) thank you for that story all right thanks david thanks for listening to the podcast please share us subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big fat juicy five-star rating and review and if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode email to questions at the empire builders podcast.com